Hello and welcome back to the fall of the Roman Empire. My name is Nick Holmes and this is episode 23 called The Rise of Christianity. In the last couple of episodes we've heard a lot about Diocletian and the enormous changes he made to the Roman defence system, the army, tax system and of course the famous division of government into four co-emperors called the Tetrarchy. These were all remarkably successful, at least during his lifetime, and not only brought a definitive end to the crisis of the 3rd century, but they also represented the most extensive overhaul of the Roman state since Augustus transitioned the Republic to his rather peculiar form of soft imperial rule nearly 300 years before. Now, Augustus is generally regarded as the greatest Roman emperor because he so successfully navigated the Roman Republic away from the bloodbath of civil war that it had degenerated into when the Republican system broke down and was replaced by quasi-dictators fighting it out like Sulla, Pompey, Julius Caesar, and finally, of course, Augustus himself in his former guise as Octavian. And Augustus is really best remembered for the Pax Romana that he created, the nearly 200 years of peace across Europe and the Mediterranean, which had never been achieved before and which has never been achieved since. But when we move on to Diocletian 300 years later, his achievements, in my opinion, rank on a par with those of Augustus, because he re-established the Roman Empire after a similar sort of crisis, which was, in his case, of course, the crisis of the 3rd century, in just as radical a new form as Augustus did. But when people talk about the late Roman Empire and the world of late antiquity, as it's often called, there's one thing that tends to overshadow everything else, and that is, of course, the rise of Christianity. Now, this is where Diocletian's legacy falls down spectacularly because of his great persecution of the Christians, as you heard about in the last episode. And equally, the Emperor Constantine emerges as the great hero because he became the champion of Christianity, reversing Diocletian's persecution and really establishing the foundations of the Christian Church, as we will cover in future episodes. But I think we have to ask the fundamental question, irrespective of the actions of the Roman emperors, why was it that Christianity became so popular in the third century? And I think this is one of the most interesting questions in all of late Roman history. So in this episode, let's dive a bit more deeply into what was really happening in Roman society and why there was this move away from the pagan gods towards this new religion of Christianity. Hope you enjoy it. In the 3rd and 4th centuries AD, the rapid rise of Christianity was astonishing. One historian has plausibly estimated that in AD 200, there were perhaps only 200,000 Christians, representing a mere 0.3% of the total population. But within a 100 years, by AD 300, this had risen to over 6 million, representing around 
10% of the population. In another 50 years, by AD 250, it had reached over 30 million, representing the majority, around 60%, of the entire population of the Roman Empire. In contrast, in its first 200 years... Christianity had done very little. It originally began in the first century AD as a very minor Jewish sect. It was Paul the Apostle who broke away from Judaism and established a non-Jewish Christian community in Antioch in the AD 40s. Paul had originally been both a traditional Jew and a critic of the early Christians until he was famously converted to Christianity on the road to Damascus. Christian teachers led initially by the apostles, spread slowly from Antioch into western Anatolia and then more widely across the Roman East. But the spread of Christianity was very slow, with an estimated 1,000 Christians in AD 40, perhaps rising to around 10,000 by AD 100. Indeed, Christianity was so marginal to begin with that the Romans hardly noticed it. Probably the first time it registered in Roman minds at all was when the apostles Peter and Paul were allegedly martyred in AD 64 on the orders of the Emperor Nero after he blamed the great fire of Rome on the Christians. But before we discuss Christianity's transformation in the 3rd century, let's briefly consider the belief systems in the ancient world at the time of the advent of Christianity. Religion in the ancient world was strikingly diverse. A multitude of different deities were worshipped, and perhaps surprisingly for a modern observer used to religious strife in the 21st century and other centuries as well, coexisted largely without conflict. Religious faith was dominated by superstition. For example, sessions of the Senate in Rome began with the burning of incense on the altar of victory. Sacrifice was a daily ritual and the precursor to all significant events from military expeditions to chariot races. The Roman gods were a version of the Greek gods, comprising the twelve Olympians, uh, six male and six female, so-called because they resided on Mount Olympus. All twelve were assimilated into the official Roman religion using Roman names. Therefore, Zeus, the Greek head of the Olympians, was called Jupiter by the Romans. These gods were worshipped as official deities. Temples such as the marvellously well-preserved Pantheon in modern Rome would have housed statues to one or many of them. It should also be remembered that classical philosophy flourished. Most educated Romans were familiar with the ancient Greek philosophers and held them in very high esteem. In particular, the metaphysical works of Plato and Aristotle were studied and admired just as widely as they are today. The Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius's own philosophical writings, as well as new schools of philosophy such as Neoplatonism, were heavily influenced by them. However, amidst the hugely diverse population of the empire, 
numerous other deities and sacred beings were also worshipped. Many of these were minor and parochial, comprising animals such as crocodiles and hippopotamuses in Egypt or rivers and forests in the Celtic West. They were often seen as protectors of the local community and environment. Keeping these spirits on your side by making sacrifices or performing locally devised rituals was natural for most people. There were also three large international religions that spread unimpeded across the Roman Empire before the 3rd century, popular principally with the poorer people in the cities and towns. In Italy, the cult of the Great Mother had ancient origins and was derived from the Sibylline books. Its popularity grew in the 1st century AD, although it was viewed sceptically by educated Romans, since its rituals involved its devotees working themselves into a religious frenzy with music and dance in adoration of their goddess. Another popular and more widely accepted religion was that of the ancient Egyptian god Isis, who was accompanied by her consort Serapis and their son Horus. In Egypt, a priesthood existed to promote the cult of Isis, which was condoned by the Roman government. Indeed, temples to Isis were built all over the empire in Egyptian style, although the religious ceremonies were normally conducted in Greek. The third major cult was that of the Persian Mithras, which became popular across the empire in the first century AD. Mithras was a god of heavenly light, often identified with the sun, the champion of justice and truth against the dark powers of evil. The chief ritual was the slaughter of a bull, which was meant to allow the release of all vegetable and animal life that was useful to humans. The rites were celebrated in caves or crypts, where worshippers were washed in the blood of a slaughtered bull. However, only two religions gave the Romans cause for concern. These were Judaism and Christianity. The reason was that both were monotheistic and rejected all other gods. For the Romans, this was tantamount to treachery, for it meant the rejection of Rome's official deities. Indeed, Judaism's fierce independence had resulted in the extermination of the Jewish state by the Roman army and the destruction of the great Second Temple in Jerusalem in AD 70. So why, in contrast to Judaism, did Christianity survive, prosper and gain a dominance that no other ancient religion had ever achieved? Historians have long been puzzled by this. Many theories have been suggested. One is the efficient church organisation, which had developed by the 3rd century into a fairly effective system of bishops and lesser clergy who built churches and spread Christian teaching. Another theory is the early Christian church particularly appealed to new members because it was a conspicuously egalitarian organisation in a world that was intensely hierarchical. The important role of women has also been highlighted, who the early church allowed to participate in worship to a greater extent than other religions, probably resulting in a higher number of female converts. In addition, the early church's strict prohibition on birth control, abortion and infanticide might have meant that Christian women had more children than pagan women. 
Christianity also appears to have been strong in urban centres, with one theory suggesting this was because of the Christian focus on caring for the ill during the plague of Cyprian, which meant Christians stayed in the cities while others fled. The argument is that urban centres then helped to promote and expand the religion better than if it had been more rurally based. Another argument is that there were simply too many pagan gods. Even before the breakdown of the Roman state in the 260s, the appeal of its plethora of different deities was fading. One historian has suggested that even from the 1st century AD, the sheer number of coexisting religions from Isis and Mithras to the Greek gods had diluted religious enthusiasm. Quote, there were too many cults, too many mysteries, too many philosophers of life to choose from, end quote. It certainly seems to be true that the ancient world's faith system was looking increasingly bankrupt in the 3rd century. And of course, this was hugely to Christianity's advantage. While all of these theories probably contain some truth, none of them really explains what drove the astonishing impetus of Christianity's exponential growth in the second half of the third century. And I suggest this is because the effects of the crisis of the third century have been underestimated, and that what really accelerated Christian expansion was a crisis of faith that gripped the entire Roman Empire prompted by the effective breakdown of ancient civilization. It was the trauma of invasion, civil war and plague that accelerated the disillusion with existing faiths and ideologies and a much greater willingness to seek reassurance from new ones. Within this context, Christianity offered the most meaningful religious experience of its age by providing an appealingly vibrant message with its focus on one true God whose aim was to save humanity. This vision was presented with a sense of urgency by early Christians who genuinely believed the end of the world was approaching, something which must have seemed very tangible as Rome faced collapse in the 250s and 260s. In conclusion, it seems to me that the missing piece of the jigsaw in explaining the rise of Christianity lies with the crisis of the 3rd century itself, which was far more shocking, far more dangerous and far more tangible than most historians recognise. And that ends this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, of course, I'd be delighted for any quick ratings or reviews on whichever podcast app you use. And in the next episode, we'll move on to one of the great game-changing events in history, the Emperor Constantine's conversion to Christianity. Thanks for listening and see you next time. <music>